Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in and sharing your time with me in this moment. We actually have a beautiful interview, a special guest. Her name is Sarah Weiss, and she is going to talk to us today all about being an empath, but more specifically, how to become an enlightened empath. And she also believes that empaths are the preview of what humanity is evolving into. So it's a very interesting conversation, and I'm sure it will resonate with so many of you. So stay tuned for that. We're going to get into it in just a moment. Um, But I wanted to just check in really quickly, curious always about how everyone is doing, how you are experiencing life at this time. We are currently, as of today, experiencing three retrogrades. And if you want more information about the energy of this month or the rest of the months throughout the year, you can download that for free. Just go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com, sign up for the newsletter, and you will get access to Creating with the Moon and Stars, as well as 22 Days of Transformation. So if you are someone who is trying to understand your path, your way, the 22 Days of Transformation is a beautiful guided journey that helps you to learn how to be more observant of yourself. And there's some more information on my website that will support you no matter which part of your path you are embarking on. And Also, of course, I want to extend the invitation to you. If you haven't joined us in the Seeker Circle yet, you are more than welcome to join us there on Facebook. All of that information is available on my website. And just a side note, I know some of you have been with Reiki Radio for some years. And if you haven't been to my site recently, I would recommend going to check it out because there are some new updates, some new information. So you may find something new for yourself as well. But today, like I mentioned, we are talking about empaths. And I know a lot of listeners of Reiki Radio are very sensitive to energy. And some of you are empathic by nature. And our special guest today, she's going to actually clarify the difference between being a highly sensitive person and being an empath. And she's also going to give some tips for those of you who may be parents of children who are highly sensitive. So The reason this conversation is important, and I'm so glad that she came, is because a lot of people experience overwhelm and confusion when they have this inherent gift of energetic sensitivity. And it is common to now hear the term empath, but like I mentioned, there is a difference in people who are just highly sensitive to energy. So our guest today, her name is Sarah Weiss, and she is going to share her insights and clarify what it means to be energetically sensitive and why she does believe that empaths are what humanity is evolving into. So she's going to share some tips, clarify for you, and also share why connection to Mother Earth plays a big part in all of this for all of us. So by the end of the conversation, you'll learn ways in which empaths can empower themselves and honor the gifts of their being. Now, Sarah is the founder of Spirit Heal Institute, 
and the Enlightened Empath Training Program. She initiates and helps to cultivate self-empowerment, an awakened heart, and trustworthy intuition for her clients and students. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. If you want to learn more about Sarah and her work, go to spiritheelonline.com. The links to her work are in the show description, as well as a free download that she has provided for all of us. So I will see you on the other side and enjoy the show. Okay, everyone. So welcome to this beautiful episode of Reiki Radio. Today we have a very special guest, Sarah Weiss of the Enlightened Empath. That is a course that you have to support empaths. And today Sarah is going to talk to us about empaths being the preview of the new human. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Hello, Yolanda. It's so nice to be with you again. Yeah. I am so interested in this conversation because a lot of people are curious about what it means to be so sensitive to energy and how to navigate that. So one of the first things I would like to ask you is if you can share with people, what is an empath and is everyone who is highly sensitive, does that automatically make you an empath? Is there some um, definition around that? There is. And it's, it's really interesting because this whole concept of being an empath has just kind of, you know, jumped onto the scene in the last four or five years. Before that, there was the highly sensitive person. And for the last 20 years, there's been awareness of that. And I look at the empath as on a continuum with the highly sensitive person, but there is a difference between the two. The highly sensitive person is sensitive to something either outside themselves or highly sensitive to something inside themselves, you know, something in the environment or some kind of thought, emotion, or feeling. The difference is that an empath is sensitive to all those things, to to other people, to their environment, and the difference is they believe it's themselves. So a highly intuitive person knows it's something that they're reacting to that's separate from themselves. Uh, An empath, if if they're picking up someone else's feelings or pain or suffering, they get confused and think it's themselves. So that makes it even more complex to figure out what's going on with yourself. Yes, it does. So if you if you're an empath, so so for instance, one of my students says, you know, in an hour, I can have a 100 different feelings and sensations in my body. As I walk around, she goes to college, as I walk around campus, whoever I talk to, whoever I sit next to, I am feeling them inside myself. And I think it's me. And I feel like I'm changing every five seconds. And now I'm confused about who I am because there seems to be no consistent person in me. I am just a reflection of everyone else. So that's basically the difference between an empath and a highly sensitive person. 
So then I would ask this, is the work that you do, do you work with people in both um, arenas of their sensitivity or is it something that empaths are learning how to become highly sensitive people without having to uh, have the confusion around what's theirs and what isn't? I, I work with all kinds of people who are interested in their intuitive, spiritual, and psychic growth. The empath, um, we have to figure out with an empath, first of all, what kind of empath they are. There's mm-hmm. different types of empaths. And so one may be an emotional empath where they pick up everything, all, all the emotions of people around them, not even just around them. It could be someone on the other side of the planet that's been in the news and they can just pick them up too, or they can be a a physical empath and pick up the physical pains or the good feelings that another person might be feeling in their body, or they can be a plant empath where they can look at a plant and feel, or let's say a tree, if a tree's just been cut down, they'll feel like they have just been invaded incredibly deeply so you want to figure out what type of empath a person is and then from the perspective that I'm coming from I believe that empaths the reason empaths are like they are is that they're tuned into the oneness Mm. so there's a part of their consciousness that knows they're not separate from any other living being and living being includes all sentient beings on the planet, everyone. And so if you're coming from a place of oneness and you know, you're connected and you're all one, there's, they're starting from a place that most spiritual people are trying to attain. Yes. Okay. And so we're working backwards from discerning and acknowledging this oneness, which is very exciting to understand about yourself, and then learning what it's like to move through the realms from unity to individuality. And the complexity comes in if you've been an empath all your life. And Judith Orloff, Dr. Judith Orloff has a great book, The Empath Survival Guide. And in it, she says that at least 12 to 20% of the population are empaths. Wow. That's a high number of people that don't know what's going on with them. And so um, identifying that you're an empath and then figuring out who you are meant to be and where's that consistent personality and purpose in your life is what we want to do, but we don't want to lose the sense of oneness. In other words, we don't want to put artificial barriers or boundaries up that separate us from our oneness. We want to be informed by that oneness so that it flows through us and then we manifest from that place into a place of of individuality. So I have to ask you this because a lot of people have had experiences of being very uncomfortable because of their sensitivity i'm sure as you know and if you can even share some of your personal story of why this work even matters to you and then what people how people can recognize if they are you know highly sensitive versus being highly empathic sure so 
uh, Judith Orloff also says that empaths are born, that we have a nervous system that's oriented differently than the average nervous system. Mm -hmm. And to me, it feels like I'm stuck on the output, like, like all my fibers and, and sensitivities are connected to everything outside of me. And I've been like that since I was a child. And what's typical of empaths is that they feel everyone around them. So a child always is sensitive to their parents and the people who are around them. But if you're an empath, and let's say you have a, a grandmother going through an illness or a mother going through a depression, all of a sudden you're experiencing that as yourself. Right. You're not just reacting to something. You are getting depressed. You are feeling all the pain and suffering of the illness of those around you. Likewise, if there were positive people around you, you would be feeling that too. I want to emphasize that as well. Um, but more often than that, given our culture, there's a lot of negativity and heavy energy around. So people will pick that up first. And so then what happens is an empath might even be able to identify and say, just like a young psychic would say, you know, grandma's got cancer or a heart problem or something like that. And then your parents say, how could you possibly know that? Blah, blah, blah. And just like dismiss you out of hand. And then all of a sudden, after a few times where you're not acknowledged or believed for what you are knowing, the empath starts to shut down, just like a, a young psychic or intuitive would. And you start to shut down and you start to barricade yourself. And what I find is people like that, whether you're sensitive or an empath, you start developing kind of an alternate personality to deal with the world. Right. And yet you're still experiencing everything that's going around. You've got all these things that you're not allowed to say. You're not allowed to talk about them. And it ends up being very difficult within a year or two of being a young child who's been dismissed to you, you get lost in that mass information that's coming into you. It's just overwhelming. People become people pleasers. They become addicts. Um, they become angry, very angry. Um, and all kinds of, um, I would say, they try to figure out very creatively all kinds of ways to manage yes. what's going on inside of them. And by the time you get to be 18 or 19 years old, and you've, you've built up this alternate personality, like, like this young woman that I knew, um, well, she's a student, she knew from a very young age that she was an empath to the point where her mother couldn't even take her to the grocery store or Walmart or anything. She would just break down into a complete mess. Mm -hmm. And what she figured out in her creative way was that if she makes her personality really big and fills up the room with her personality, being bubbly and happy and, you know, being a leader in a sense, um, then she doesn't pick up other people's feelings. So she became the cheerleader, the most popular girl in the school, and was working really hard to just keep filling up the space around her. Well, then she got to uh, business school 
in college. And she needed to learn how to be a team player. She needed to develop her leadership qualities, but not be this chirpy cheerleader kind of person that wasn't going to work for her in the business world. And then everything broke down again. And she had to really start dealing with the fact that she's an empath and start grounding herself. So that takes us into the next approach that I take um, to working with your empathic sensitivities, which is learning how to ground with Mother Earth. Yeah, so I want to ask you about that, because I know that is a huge part of your work um, from the conversation that we had before. But from what you just said, I have to ask you this, because I'm sure there are a lot of people who have children who are highly empathic or very sensitive, and they don't know what to do to help support their kids. So do you have like a tip or a suggestion of how do you help a child that's going through um, this? It's First of all, you have to start noticing, um, you you just have to start getting to know your child, first of all. And if they start talking to you or trying to express that they see something or know something, then you have to really listen. But most of the time, it's not going to happen like that. Most of the time, they're going to have meltdowns. They're going to want to withdraw. they will maybe overeat or get overexcited and it it might look like ADHD or it might look like some other thing that's going on, but they're not going to be able to settle down. My granddaughter, um, when she was two years old and in daycare, I said to my daughter, you know, I think she's really empathic. Is there a way that you could take, like buy a little teepee and give it to the daycare and set it up there. And they have these cute little kid TP things. And I said, so that she could just go inside there and calm herself down and get away from all the stimulation so that she has her own place to be. Wow. Luckily the daycare let her do that. And then my daughter got one for at home and that became her little cave, her little safe cave. So that, that's just one little thing. Um, we started with our kids teaching them how to ground and relax themselves very early in life. By the time they were two or three years old and we were putting them to bed, we had already taught them progressive relaxation and we had taught them how to go inside their body and internally move through their body with their sensitivity to show them that they had the the ability to go inside that their body was actually the cave that they carried with them right all all the time and so by the time they were maybe four or five years old they were leading us in progressive relaxation every night and we would fall asleep first (laughs) (laughs) because they got good at it Um, but teaching them because they have such sensitivity they can learn to relax and tune into themselves if they're given the direction to take all those externalized um, antenna and turn them within. So you have to make it into a fun little exercise. One of our daughters used to do the progressive relaxation, and in her mind, she was shutting down the Barbie factory. 
the people who made the arms went out to lunch and the people who made the legs went and she created her own relaxation practice. So I think these are really important. I also would love to add that I believe every child should be taught Reiki. Yeah. As soon as possible. It's interesting that because as you were saying this, that's exactly what I was thinking about how um, there are a lot of people now introducing their children to Reiki and how supportive that would be for children who are very sensitive. I mean, even ones who aren't. I mean, just across the board. Everyone. Um, everyone. I believe I believe that every kindergartner should have been introduced to Reiki. And my fantasy is that if a child is acting out, if they've fallen on the playground or something's happening, four or five kids gather around them, put out their hands, and just form this little temple of Reiki energy and take care of their classmate. That is beautiful. <laughs> that is such that would be a beautiful thing to implement. Oh, wow. Because, I mean, just on so many levels of what that teaches about community and supporting each other and recognizing our ability to heal and transform. Listen, we may have to put together some kind of packaging and really try to get that out there. But, I would uh, love that. Right? So that mm -hmm. kind of brings me back to even what you were saying, um, again, when we spoke before, and I thought this was such an interesting concept that empaths are a preview of the new human. So what does that mean to you? And what do you think, uh, how do you think this sensitivity is truly a gift? Well, I believe that humanity is moving towards a more enlightened state, which means that we're becoming more and more sensitive to the subtle realms, that we're becoming less materially embedded right. and multidimensional. So that's basically where an empath is coming from. They're, everything is transparent. You can't hide anything from an empath. Right. Okay. And if we lived in a culture where everyone knew everything was transparent, you then know how another pe person feels. It develops the empathy in a healthy, positive way. The empath is not the only person who is empathically feeling another person. It's going two ways. And if you know how someone else feels, you're going to be much, much more careful and considerate about how you treat each other. Oh, yes. Okay. So, um, I do believe we are moving in that direction, and I believe that this whole concept of being an empath has come to the surface planetarily. In other words, I believe we move along um, with the ascending energies of Mother Earth and the planet as she grows and we grow with her. And so now that we've moved into this higher frequency area in the in the uh, cosmos, we're receiving these higher frequency energies and it's bringing this to the foreground. Right. And I do believe that the empaths above anything else needs, need high frequency energies. It's what aligns them with their true nature. More than anything else in the whole world, they have to learn how to go within and nourish themselves 
with very high frequency energy. Uh, because the energy outside of them is always going to feel more coarse, heavier than the more subtle, multidimensional energy that we're, that's available to us. Mm-hmm. So aside from the people who are born just with this highly um, empathic nature, then are you, would you say that we're all inherently empathic? It's just some of us have to do more work to come online, so to speak or to recognize these sensitivities? I would say everyone is um, totally, we're, we're built as human beings to be sensitive to multidimensional living, okay? Right. And the multidimensional realms. Um, and like I said before, the empaths are working from the oneness to the individuality, but most people are working from the individuality to the oneness. Yes. So I think that, um, everything is always reciprocal in my world, you know? And so we've got people going from both directions and this interface is starting to happen. So people who are drawn to yearning for the more subtle can certainly develop that. I I believe every single person I've worked as a medical intuitive now for over 30 years and every single person I can attuned to the subtle world. There's no one who can't. Um, And so I would say that the empaths are like the scouts right now. And they have agreed to come in and be these forebearers of this type of human being. And and it's a tough road when no one knows what who or what you are you know 40 years ago when psychics you know were coming online more or um you know they were the the weird ones now i mean psychics now are everyday part of everyday conversation right right Right? and that's what's going to happen with the empaths too uh, the schools are becoming aware that they have empathic children just as they became aware that they have highly sensitive children and ADHD and whatever spectrum children they have. And they're starting to learn adaptations to help the empathic child. And it's, it's going to, it's going to become like the next um, recognized state of being that we're working with. Now, uh, this is a thing because I know that you have a program called the Enlightened Empath, and I know that you also work with people in coaching, even one-on-one, to help them with their empathic nature. And there are, and even you know, in my life, I struggled with how sensitive I was to feeling things without understanding. This was pre-Reiki, pre-energy work. I just, you know, I won't go into all of it, but I, I had a very hard time. And um, learning to manage my energy, even that was so beneficial for me and being okay with who I was in a lot of ways. So I wanted to ask you for people who are listening that know that they're either highly sensitive or know that they are empathic, but they're struggling because of this. Do you have any advice for them um, or something, you know, to support them in understanding how this isn't? doesn't have to be a burden. Okay. So um, the reason my program is a year long program is it, it takes 
there, there's a healing and a dismantling process that has to occur that that's been built up over a lifetime, however long that lifetime is, before the person can begin to feel their true being, which I'm sure you went through kind of on your own figuring it out, as I did. And so my work is always based on coming back to Mother Earth. I, I cannot live, and I don't believe where anyone's supposed to live, without being fully connected to the Great Mother. And in my lifetime, I was floating all over the place um, until one day when I, I went to a park and I stood on the, the land in the park and all of a sudden Mother Earth started talking to me. Yeah. And my feet got stuck to the ground and I felt the energy and her love coming straight into my body as a somatic experience. And most of humanity, unless they're earth base, is walking around, they're on some like concrete all the time, that it's not alive, that there's nothing to receive from that, that we can treat the earth as an object. And what that does is it eliminates the greatest support and love that you could be feeling 24-7. I mean, when you're connected to Mother Earth, she is nourishing you, holding you in her arms all the time. And that's this high-frequency energy and love that I think empaths need. So instead of directing their energy outward to other people, if they connect it first to Mother Earth, it's a redirect of their attention and their sensitivity. And then they feel held and loved. It allows them to heal and she will guide the process back to their true self. She will also guide the alignment and flow of your energy with the cosmos and take you also into the heavens and create this beautiful toroidal flow that we as human beings are part of and is the greatest um, miracle of who we are, that we are connected in this way. So I believe that the empathic journey uh, to, to find themselves and stabilize themselves, that the, you could create false boundaries, but that's not going to help you. That's going to be temporary. Mm -hmm. I believe that they're really called to become embodied connected to heaven and earth and make that a reality in their life and so they know that that is the primary focus and anytime they take their a focus off their first mother and first father that they will be taking in the chaos of the world instead of taking instead of being connected to the to the beauty and harmony of their being so that's how I approach this. I approach it as a mystic and a lover of the mother. Yeah. And, um, and I believe it's the mother first, actually, because we have to learn how to receive. That's a beautiful uh, 
way to look at it, but also so interesting because I know that's a challenge for a lot of people to be in reception for so many reasons, but also a lot of times people who are sensitive because they're so uh, used to being overstimulated, they have a fear of being in reception. So that must be powerfully healing to help people to learn how to reconnect and be receptive in a healthy way. Yes. And so, you know, the simplest thing for someone to do is to feel their feet. Mm-hmm. And just like we know exactly where the energy center or the center of our palms are, we know exactly where the center of our foot is, the sole of each foot. And when you become aware of that, and you, every person can feel that, they know exactly mm-hmm. where that is. And when you can become aware of that and let that connect you to yourself and to the earth, you start to realize this is a living planet. This is living energy that can really heal and take care of me. And then as it moves through us, it fountains up and then we become receptive to the energies from above, the great father. And when they come together in the marriage and love within our being, we become the the child, the, you know, the miracle child. It's beautiful what you say. It reminds me so much of like the spiritual union and, you know, the harmonizing of the uh, divine feminine and masculine principle within our beingness and really recognizing that. But I have to ask you this because I'm sure people are wondering, um, you mentioned being a medical intuitive, but what other practices or um, principles and studies have influenced this beautiful work, your culmination of work that you share and what you do? Sure. Um, I have been studying formally for 48 years. I'm 68. And I studied in the Sufi path and became a teacher in that, pro- in that order. I studied in the Andean spirituality of the Quechua Indians of Peru, and I also studied the Qigong uh, Taoist teachings for 30 years. And all of those teachings seem to have a male orientation to me. No one quite knew what to do with me and my sensitivities. And actually, when I had that experience with Mother Earth, I was 19, it was before I studied with all these different masters. And I always kept alive that connection to the earth in addition to whatever I was learning. And at some point, they all came together um, where I actually had to step out of the teachings from the male perspective and say, you know what, this is why I'm built. I just need the feminine teachings first and foremost. And I'm going to trust Mother Earth and her energy to teach me the rest of what I need to know. So I, I believe that I woke up or, and remembered a lot of the mystical teachings that I had brought in from past lives. Right. And that I loved the teachers I've had. They were beautiful beings. But I really discovered that my first teacher is Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. I I love hearing that from you because it it reminds me of how a lot of people study whatever they choose to study and they may think or fear that they have to stay with that one lineage or one teacher or these different things. And it seems like you really at some point 
took all of those foundational tools and practices, but allowed yourself to trust how you are being guided. And so I have to ask you, does that also apply in when you're working with people in recognizing their empathic nature? Is it a very individualized kind of process of what opens up for them as a person? Yes. And I am not interested in creating any kind of groups or gathering people together. I'm really interested in empowering people. But the odd thing is we have been so programmed not to be empowered that helping people find that place where they can trust the teachings coming through them is the hardest thing to do. It really is. Um, They would rather be kind of fed information rather than discover it within themselves. And so that programming is really hard to dismantle. And so every person I work with learns how to work with the energy with Mother Earth and to feel the energy inside of them and let it teach them. And so a lot of people don't want to take the time to do that. Right. Um, but but that's that's what I teach. And the people who have the patience and the willingness um, will receive that. And then they're empowered, empowered. I'm not their teacher forever. I'm their coach guide for a little bit. And then go, you know, listen inside. I, I love that. It, it also reminds me too, because it's very similar to what my path has been. I love all of my teachers, so thankful for all of them still in connection with some of them. And it is that. It's, it seems like in a lot of ways, these practices and um, different philosophies, they're just these like keys that start to unlock our own inner wisdom. And it is so important, I think, for everyone to find a teacher like such as yourself, a guide such as yourself, that tells them, yes, at some point, you are going to start waking up to your way and have to go through a process of learning to trust and hear and listen to your way. So uh, going back to, you know, empaths and what this sensitive nature could really mean for all of us, what do you think could be like a really beautiful gift of empaths starting to recognize the like purpose of the sensitivity? I would say the main purpose of the sensitivity is to be nested, to know you're nested in the oneness. So empaths don't even realize that they are nested in the oneness. Okay. Um, because they've been overwhelmed with so much input. So they're bringing in a consciousness that's, we're all already linked, but it's online. It's, it's already activated online with an empath. And so they have no choice as far as I'm concerned, um, but to find that out about themselves and learn how, and I call it regrow yourself, mm. regrow yourself up from the inner direction instead of from the outside input, the outside expectations. It takes an enormous amount of courage to do that. You essentially take on 
the great mother and father as your teachers and the new mother and father of your being and regrow yourself up going through all the developmental stages from the pure love and teachings of these guides that every single person has. But the empath has the sensitivity so that if they can redirect it inward, then they can automatically connect to this so much easier than people who have not been attuned to this from birth. Mm. So that's their gift. But if you ask an empath, to withdraw their energy from everyone and everything around them and bring it back to themselves, that's like a scary thing. Yeah. And they have to relearn to internalize that stability and connection within. But once they feel it one time, their being is going to keep taking them back to that. So in the classes, I provide the attunements and the energetic experience so that they get hooked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And once they feel that, they're going to say, just like I did, boy, that feels so good. I don't want to leave that place. I got to figure out how to get back there. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, you really take them through a process of getting reacquainted with and understanding themselves so that the experience of being able to sense and feel or perceive so um, so much externally, it then becomes a different experience. So it's not shutting off your empathic quality. It's just learning how to navigate it or uh, exist within it differently. Right, at a higher frequency and multidimensionally. So a lot of empaths want to be healers. A lot of empaths are always trying to do things to fix other people. Right. Because if you make someone else feel good, you feel better because uh, you're yes. always feeling them. Because you're feeling them. <laughs> right. Um, but once you find out you're connected to yourself, you can let that go because you can find your own feeling good inside. Mm. And then you can find out what your real gifts and talents are for this lifetime. And that can be pretty exciting. Again, it takes a lot of courage because you may have been set on a path that everyone thought that would be perfect for you, but it was really perfect for them. (laughs) And you then will have the urge from within to shift your life to where it's in alignment with your being. So not every empath will become a healer. But they'll learn how, if they're in the corporate world or teaching world or whatever world, planting, gardening world, they'll learn how to use their sensitivities beautifully. And they'll be holding a frequency that will be like a a microwave signal that creates coherence in whatever environment. So they're no longer going to become incoherent they will be the ones holding the coherent energy and improve the vibration of whoever they're working with i love that and hearing you say that it reminds me of um i believe i read it on your website that you uh do retreats or you're going to mount shasta so is that something that you do annually and what is that experience about 
I do these retreats. Um, this year, we're not going to Mount Shasta. We're going to Silver City, New Mexico. And I'm also teaching at Esalen this year again. Um, but I go to different places according to the land calling me. Uh, okay. And so for years, we did um, retreats in Sedona, all over the world, Thailand and Scotland and all different places. Um, Serpent Mound in Ohio is one of my favorite places. I'm very con connected there. But the retreats are usually five-day retreats, uh, residential, and we literally are in retreat for five days, 24 hours. You do sleep and you have good food. I believe in comfortable retreats. Um, but the immersion in the sacred space of the land where we are is very important and learning how to communicate um, with the sacred space within you and around you is what the focus of the retreat is. So I have kind of standard regular meditation retreats and then I also have the empath retreats. And the empath retreats are very small, they're, they're limited to 12 people and we do a lot of meditation and redirecting of the sensitivity to feel that interconnection with the space and with your connection with Mother Earth and Father Sky and how to reset yourself. So if you've not, if you don't have the time to do a class, but you know you you have to do something. Right. A, a five day retreat resets and teaches you how to redirect that energy and your sensitivities to inside of yourself. So it's like taking a very, very fine antenna and redirecting them into your heart, into the feeling of your being, the same way you would with Reiki. Um, and any empath you take and redirect will take that same sensitivity that's externalized and bring it inside. And so the miracle of being in the consciousness of the body begins to awaken up in them. And the miracle of their own light of being wakes up. And then they have a new kind of compass orientation for their being. So we go uh, to places that have a lot of sacred energy there, mm. go to sacred sites, uh, do some hiking out on the land, alternating with being together in group and meditating and and the retreats are very fluid that way and you're also going to have an empath basics course is that right and that's coming up the right. four week that's, program right so that's four wednesday nights i think it starts in about two weeks and what i do in that class is it's really about the basics about being an empath it's um learning you know it's for someone who's just figuring out mm, might I be an empath and how do I figure this out right and so it's it's four weeks an hour and 15 minutes it's on the zoom platform and it's a great way of kind of opening up that pathway for yourself great okay yeah, I was going to ask you that too because um, I know at the retreats and uh, you said the um, Enlightened Empath is a year-long program, but this right. is also a great intro because it's four weeks. It doesn't take long, but, you know, right. good to dive into. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to ask you as well, um, because you do 
work with people one-on-one and coaching and mentoring as well. Is that something that you do remotely? Is that also available remotely? Yes, I do all my sessions remotely now. I, for years, I did them in person and only occasionally on the phone, but they're all remote now. Um, I find it actually um, easier for them and easier for me yeah. uh, to, to work remotely. And yeah, I'm right there in your ear, <laughs> very intimately with you during a session remotely. So I work with people all over the world. Uh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I enjoy uh, working remotely as well. And I think for a lot of people, it's nice because it gives them that comfort of being in their own environment while you're doing the work. And then for me, I have the comfort of not worrying about if you're comfortable or not. And I could just focus on the work itself. So yeah, I think it's, um, it's lovely to do uh, work remotely as well. Um, so I know that in all of this, and speaking to you before, I mean, I was very excited to have this conversation because it is important for empaths to learn how to hone their skills. And I know that is what really highlights for you through your work. So you did mention that part of it was having um, intelligent boundaries and, you know, having that understanding of their self-identity. So before we go, I just wanted to know if you could speak a little more to that because you did reference earlier sometimes empaths not knowing who they are. Very much so. So empaths feel like they have no boundaries, um, that everything's just pouring into them and it's pouring out. You end up, you know, saying what's on other people's minds. You end up blurting things out. You move in ways that other people want to move. You feel pain in your body because so, so you're, you're in this place where you're in this oneness with everyone and you don't feel like you have the boundary of the individual being to to keep you contained in a way. And so I like to think about the boundaries in the same way that we see, talk about a cell wall, a, a cell membrane. It's more of a membrane. Mm -hmm. And the cell membrane is a very living, intelligent part of the cell. It knows what to let in. It knows what to excrete out. Now, when we develop our connection with Mother Earth and Father Sky, we start to develop naturally these intelligent boundaries. So it's one thing to think about kind of yourself in a bubble of light or to picture a boundary around you. That takes a lot of mental effort. It's helpful at the beginning. But when you learn to sustain this beautiful flow, we naturally create this beautiful membrane around us that's very intelligent and whatever is coming in is filtered through the intelligence of our higher being mm -hmm. and we have guidance that comes with that and it's a lot about accepting i mean it's being on earth and living your earthly life step by step is very interesting you could say yes. and so you're never totally blockading yourself yes okay you're you're living interacting reciprocally flowing but activating that intelligence you know in a way we're all an orb okay right. you can think of it as an orb and we're all the sphere of energy that is pure intelligent energy and so I believe 
and I know that this is, I, this is my experience, I know it's your experience as well, that when we are in touch with not only the physical material being, but the consciousness of our being, then this natural intelligent membrane arises and we feel the protection and we feel the, the um, discernment of it. A natural discernment occurs. Can I tell you, I'm so uh-huh. thankful that you said that because I know a lot of people who are highly sensitive are taught uh, to create this bubble around them. But what I've noticed in the way that people describe it, oftentimes it also has this connection to fear. Like I have to have this boundary. I'm in this bubble and like, because I don't want anything else to, you know, touch me or interact with instead of no, uh, allowing, like you said, that reciprocal nature and starting to understand the intelligence of your own field once activated and that you can work within that and through it. And it doesn't have to be this fear-based thing where you're trying to hide from being connected to everyone and everything. Right. Because that cuts you off from your own oneness and your sense of unity. The, um, Oh, oh, I was going to say, the most important thing is to feel safe. That's right. what allows you to become receptive. The way I have figured out to be safe is through my connection with Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. So when I always, I think it takes between four and 12 weeks for someone to train themselves to become sensitive to the energy of Mother Earth, the consciousness of Mother Earth. And once you feel like you know, like you somatically sense that you're being held and that this energy is flowing through you, then you develop the safety, the sense of safety. Once you feel safe, then you can open up to this beautiful intelligence that we have. Not asking anyone to like take away their defense mechanisms, you know, that they need or they've put in place without replacing it first with a sense of safety Mm -hmm. because everyone needs to feel safe the problem is we try to find that safety in something external i find that mother earth is going to be here longer than i will she's a pretty stable person to find my safety in Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i count on her to be here so Mm -hmm. so she's consistent She's loving and growing and living, and I'm loving and lo- loving and growing with her. Once I have that safe, safety in place, then I can open up to myself in a new way. So it's the beginning of learning this takes a little bit of time and a willingness to be uncomfortable for a little bit longer because it's not an instant fix. Mm-hmm but it becomes really stable and sustainable once you develop the awareness. I'm so thankful you said that too. And it reminds me of, because I know some people hear these things and they're like, but how do you connect to earth? What do you mean it's stable and blah, blah, blah. And as you were saying this, I started, uh, I was like, my attention was drawn to the soles of my feet, just like what you were saying earlier and feeling that movement of energy in the soles of my feet and thinking about different experiences of even being like out in nature, like literally with my hands on trees or, you know, your feet on the grass and, uh, 
I think that is a really good way for people who are questioning, well, how is that even possible? Is give yourself the experience of allowing yourself to direct your attention towards earth and nature and just notice what you sense or feel in that connection, right? Right. You essentially want to become a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you want to have your roots in the earth and your branches reaching to the sky for the light. And this is what we did with our kids when they were little. Um, we would sit at the dinner table and we would all practice imagining that we had roots going into the earth and we would play footsies with our mm-hmm. feet, with our roots under the ground. And that's how our kids started figuring out how to ground. So on my website, there's a, fr- a whole series of free meditations that people can do- download. And there's something called an 11-minute grounding and a 30-minute grounding. Nice. That will guide you right through this grounding and connecting with Mother Earth process. Everyone can download it, keep it for free on your phone, use it whenever you want. But after a couple times, you'll really be acclimated and understand what we're talking about here. Ooh, okay, so I want to tell everyone this now, but it will be in the show notes as well. If you go to spiritheelonline.com, you can access and download those guided meditations. So that's very useful and helpful. Thank you for that. But I have to mention as well, before we go, you have a generous offer. And thank you so much for this. Um, everyone can also download a free ebook called 13 Limiting Beliefs of Impacts. And there will be links to that in the show description as well. So can you just give us a little um, information about what that is and who it may be helpful for? Sure. If you're trying to figure out if you're an empath, it will help you figure that out too. Um, Empaths end up growing up with very low self-esteem. They feel like everything is their fault, that they're um, totally wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and that's a word that they all, that empaths will use. And so these limiting beliefs are the ones that, you know, um, well, I, I, I must be wrong because no one believes me when I say to them, I think that you have, you know, you're depressed and you're not expressing it. And the person will say, no, I'm perfectly fine. You know, like they don't want to reveal and the empath can be kind of invasive with that too. But, but when you've grown up and being been told you're wrong so many times, you start to believe you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the limiting beliefs. Um, the uh, another limiting belief is that um, is that the world is one dimensional. Mm. That's a very limiting belief. Right. Em- empaths know that the world is multidimensional and that we're connected through this matrix that makes us all one. So it's really true that we are one. Um, it's it's a limiting belief that you're just a blob. People think they're, I mean, empaths really feel like a blob. They're mm-hmm. just a mess of, of energies moving through them, you know, like toxic water that they can't find themselves. But the limiting belief is that you are a blob. No, you aren't. You have a very big purpose in this life. And I talk about how that is going to be revealed to you. Right. So empaths end up with a very strict set of limiting beliefs 
that are very hard to get beyond unless someone is reaffirming for you what's happening. How many times, another one is that you're a hypochondriac. Mm. Empaths are called hypochondriacs all the time. How many times did my mother take me to the doctor because I felt sick? And they said, well, there's nothing wrong with her. That happens to empaths all the time. And so you, you start thinking that you're like, you're a hypochondriac and you're making all this up and you don't trust what you feel in your body. And meanwhile, you feel sick as a dog or you feel like you hurt your knee or you hurt your shoulder. And none of the tests show that anything's wrong with you. Meanwhile, you, you can't function because right. you're in so much suffering. So no, you're not a, you're not a hypochondriac. <laughs> you really have something going on that no one else can see. Right. So um, <clears throat> another limiting belief is that, <clears throat> that you don't, um, that you're not telepathic. Mm. All empaths are telepathic. That's what's going on here. So that's what that's what's in this booklet. I think it's about maybe 15, 18 pages and has a lot of good information in it for you. Yeah, no, it sounds like it'll be very insightful, very useful. And even like you said, too, I think affirming it's good for people to know they're not crazy. They're not there's nothing wrong with you. And, um, you know, at the very least, it's about understanding your nature so that it can feel more purposeful and you feel more aligned to understanding who you are. So right. you never get cured of being an empath. Right. <laughs> you really are one. You have to accept it. And then you learn what how to maximize this, how to optimize it. Now I do have to say like if you were putting a warning on everything like like on cigarette packages you will never be normal <laughs> you will never you will never be normal you cannot fit yourself into a little box that everyone considers normal which is to me a dissociated consciousness what right. we call normal and you will never be that you will be the beautiful beautiful enlightened being that you are and it will be uniquely grown from within you and it will not fit into anyone's expectation anyone's box or anyone else's normal world but it will be glorious <laughs> ah what a beautiful way to wrap this up that's Beautiful. And I'm sure people are excited, like, yes, that in of itself sounds so empowering. So I just want to remind everyone again to learn more about your work, to learn about the Enlightened Empath course or the retreats, or uh, even to access those meditative downloads, go to spiritheelonline.com. Again, this, the link to Sarah's website is in the show description. Don't forget to access the ebook, The Three Limiting Beliefs of an Empath, because obviously it's packed with some beautiful information. And Sarah, I want to thank you so much for being here and sharing your work with us. Yolanda, thank you. You are one of the most beautiful beings and most generously heart-centered, kind, wise beings I've ever met. And so I'm honored to be able to be connected to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, that is so beautiful. I thank you so much. And I know we'll, we will stay connected. 
And for everyone else, thank you for being here and tuning in. And if you uh, have some beautiful insights that came up from this, I'm going to encourage you all to reach out to Sarah and let her know uh, what her information she shared, how that has impacted you today. So thank you, everyone, and we will see you next time. Okay, so I want to thank Sarah again for her beautiful insights and sharing this information with us. I know that it will be so useful for so many of you who have maybe felt very uncomfortable with your empathic nature or your gifts of sensitivity. And if you want to download her free ebook, which is 13 Limiting Beliefs for Empaths, you can go in the show description and you will see the link to that free download. And if you want to access the free meditations that she mentioned, again, be sure to go to her website, which is spiritheelonline.com. As always, I thank you all for being here. If you enjoy the show, please rate it in iTunes. It is greatly appreciated. It is how the show continues to grow and we get to have more guests to share their insights with us. I hope you all have a gorgeous day and remember to always journey in love.